Howdy do, buckaroos. This is Greetings from the Uncanny Valley, the Westworld podcast on the Incomparable Network. Thanks to Jason and everyone at Incomparable for hosting us. I am your host for this show, Kelly Gamont. With me as always is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. We are here to talk about episode three of the second season of Westworld. This is Vertu e Fortuna and uh, Virtue and Fortune. And uh, we're going to just get going right uh, from the beginning. Um, this I, is the deep dive episode, right, Kelly? This is, yes, this is our full-on episode. And the thing that struck me at the beginning of this, um, honestly, was uh, Seven Nation Army on the sitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which I found out the sitar was actually uh, uh, played by our composer himself, Raman Jabadi. So. Which is great. Um, the thing that's interesting to me is specifically this song. So, um, Which Kelly, me, by the way, nailed during the watching of the episode, messaging <laughs> me and I message Seven Nation Army. As it was starting up. Uh, and I didn't know what it was right away. But of course, you know, Kelly... And Ms. Shazam knew what it was. <laughs> well, and part of what's interesting to me is uh, because I could remember the first couple of lines of the song, of the lyrics, uh, I'm going to fight them all. A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. That's the first of it. And then, uh, and then the other thing that's interesting to me about it is the end, um, because near the end, one of the lines is I'm bleeding right before the Lord. So, you know, in case you were wondering whether or not this was going to take a slightly religious turn after we saw the Confederados at the Last Supper. Um, so to me, this is another one of those songs that's interesting in a couple of different ways, aside from I've never heard Jack White music played on the sitar before. And I thought it was really interesting and I really enjoyed listening to it. Um that was still the the thing that struck me about it was those specific lyrics. I'm going to fight them all. A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. So anyway, uh, but we start out in the Raj. Not uh, Raj not, world. Not Raj world. Just the Raj. Oh, that's what they're called. Um, and we, we get the story of Grace and Nicholas. And I have one question. I have two questions about uh, that bit there at the beginning. And the first was who was sitting a grace and sitting with grace and walked away before Nicholas walked up to her because I couldn't really tell if it was that he was walking away from her table and they had been sitting to get like it was their table. They had been sitting there together or if he was somebody uh, transitory who came and sat down next to her for a minute, like the guy that invited Nicholas to talk to the governor and she blew him off. I couldn't really tell. Uh, we only get a split second. <laughs> yeah, we only get a split second of his face, and he didn't look like any. It didn't look like anything to me. Yeah, um, pretty much. But I'm sure it'll all come out in the inquest, as I like saying to Jim on iMessage. <laughs> no, that's a good question. The bigger question for me is uh, uh, Grace and her little notebook with the Delos secret project symbol in it, which we, mm -hmm. you know, we saw in what was it? Uh, in the first episode with Charlotte and Bernard in, what is that, a Access Room 14? In the drone bunker? Yeah, the drone bunker. Uh, um, what the hell does she have that for? And why is she sitting there smoking a cigarette looking just like Teresa? I mean, almost well, down to the hairstyle. Teresa, of course, was the head of QA who is offed uh, by Bernard at Ford's uh instruction behest. yeah behest yeah. in episode seven seven yep so yeah she finds out he's a robot and then finds out he's robot strength um yeah. the hard way yeah. so i my question about that was i thought it was notable that she was smoking because she's only the third person we've seen smoke yeah in this entire show mm -hmm. well other than uh, you know your various hosts uh here and there to maintain historical yeah. uh disgustingness yes but like as as human i'm gonna go characters. as far as saying known humans yeah known humans. <laughs> um but can seen... you ever really know in this show that's exactly well we saw teresa 
We saw Teresa. We saw uh, Charlotte bum a cigarette from Teresa. And now Grace. Those are the only three people we've seen smoke. Um, and then uh, the other question I had in that scene was who, who's the they that's trying to keep Grace and Nicholas from speaking? Because remember when he sits down, immediately he gets an invitation from the governor and he blows off the invitation. And one of them, I think, I think it's Nicholas who says they're trying awfully hard to keep us from speaking. Something like that. And I was very well, curious yeah, what that he, was about. Yeah, because he wanted to play hide the peacock with uh, Grace, obviously. <laughs> but why are they not even supposed to talk? And what that makes me wonder uh, is a little bit about her this, yeah, deal, but mostly they, his. Yeah, I assume they in this case means, you know, the Westworld programmers or management or something like that or, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, it's like ta- yeah, yeah. saying they to refer uh, in a derogatory way about the government, you know, whether it's your local or federal government. So. Right. So I'm assuming it's whoever, like, my my presumption at this point is that it's something Delosy because she's got that Delos symbol Bye. in her notebook. Well, she's either... So. She's either um, what did I say on iMessage earlier? She's either the daughter, clone, or fangirl of Teresa with that get up and uh, filthy habit. But you know, she could be <laughs> a reporter, a detective, or somebody else who comes to the park a lot with that information. Mm-hmm. The, it's not only the symbol. There's a map, obviously, there. Uh, yes. So the other thing we know about the timeline or rather, I did it myself, time frame, is that when... <laughs> well, and it's ep- a thing we, we think we know. Yeah, well, when the episode opens uh, in front of that beautiful hotel in Pasadena, because what, that's what that is, that's a redressed <laughs> hotel in Pasadena, uh, is that everything is nice. You know, guns don't kill guests, and the host uh, hosts appear to be on their loops. The next day, when they dismount off the mm-hmm. uh, the elephants, and they go to the camp, and things are whacked out, guns suddenly kill guests. Hence, uh, Nicholas getting popped uh, and extremely dead, and the hosts are homicidal. Mm-hmm. I can all assume we can assume that this is the day after the the gala in Westworld and the host uprising. And this is, by the way, this time frame is confirmed in the notes on HBO. They actually okay. said that. So, well, my question about and that, that is though, the only time frame that we know for certain thanks to <laughs> HBO. My question about that specifically, though, is it seems like they are with hosts when they get off the elephants, and why they were able to get as far as they did without the host throwing down? I guess that was kind of my question. Mm. Or if maybe those are hosts that are just not as far along in waking up, and so they don't know any better like the stable boy. Right. You know, maybe it just hasn't propagated out that far yet because they're not in as close a proximity to hosts that have woken and using the mesh network to make that reality. I don't know. Right. And uh, so the timing is... Uh, timing is a little uh, is a little weird, and the motivations of what started the because they obviously didn't have a gala, they don't right. have Wyatt in the Raj that right. we know of. Uh, so what's going on there? And we we are it's unclear to us yet as the audience whether uh, Dolores slash Wyatt knows about the other parks or she only knows about Westworld. So right. uh, it's uh, obviously uh, Maeve knows that there are other parks. She doesn't she just doesn't know what they are yet because neither Felix told her last season. Uh, the only mm-hmm. thing he said was it's complicated. Thanks well, lot, and Felix. park one implies. Right. That, there are that other, there's a two. Yeah. At a at minimum. At least a two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you it would have no designation if it were the only one. Right. And we know that she got a glimpse of it. At the in the finale, right. when she's well, uh, we're, we're rolling through sure. the other one, she she certainly saw uh, samurai, but it's unclear to me whether they actually are in Shogun World or Sh- Shogun World is coming to them in that portion of West World, right? So well, a, and we 
again with with unreliable narrators in that Sizemore claims to know his way around everything. Yeah, but he's obviously and yet, an asshat. Well, we know that. <laughs> but but it it makes him unreliable. If he's convinced they're still in Westworld, but they've somehow ended up like crossing the imaginary line that takes them into the mountainous region of Shogun World, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, but they they didn't cross any lasers and we do know from uh Grace exiting Raj World to the mm-hmm. uh the water, the I don't know what the hell, the reservoir or whatever. It looked like a dam, is. yeah. Yeah, it looked like a, a dam or a reservoir. And she crosses a laser, and at least they didn't show us uh, the uh, uh, the pack train of um, uh, of Maeve, Hector, Sizemore, along with Armistice, Felix, and Sylvester crossing the laser. But maybe you can get into the other park without doing the laser thing. I bet you can. It strikes me as, you know, because we know the Mesa is accessible from the park, but only through those access points. So I assume it's one of those uh, sort of Disneyland things where you can get from one side of the park to the other without being seen and go from Adventureland to Tomorrowland or whatever, or in Florida, even from park to park with um, stuff that they've built underground. Oh, yeah. So, like, when they built Disney World, everything at Disney World is basically the second story because they started out by building the first story, which was all the tunnels and stuff underneath, so that they can do things like have the garbage truck come through, but nobody really gets to see – nobody really sees the garbage truck, stuff like that. So – I have a feeling it's it's one of those sorts of things where you can, you know, if you know the right tunnel to take, you can find the access point that pops you up in a different park. Yeah, where the good food is. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, the other thing uh, in Raj World, we know that uh, Grace and the Tiger exit Ra- uh, Raj World, obviously, and they wind up on West World uh, on the beach uh, to of the uh, Great Valley. Uh, Possibly, yeah. Oh, yeah. That it's possibly no. It's not the Great Valley, is it? Because they didn't see that was the water that they saw before they went to the Valley Beyond, right? Where they were saying, "Well, we don't see enough of." I don't. I I'm not lined up with where those are. I could be completely wrong about that. Well, there's the beach on the outside of the island. There's the water that we see. Uh, sort of in between on some other lake, and then there's the lake that they didn't expect. I'm talking about Strand right. and Mailing and his mercenaries yeah. and Bernard and Stubbs and all those kinds of people in the in the as near as I can call it the present timeline. What's also unclear mm-hmm. is that when Grace and the extremely dead Tiger wind up on the shore of whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> that uh, it's unclear how long they took to journey from right uh, from uh, the Raj to Westworld, but it's right. not going to take more than like a day, right? Right. But because the other thing about that is they'd be a lot um, more waterlogged. Well, and we don't know because then there's her relationship to not the tiger. I'm trying to figure out how I'm trying to put it. Because the tiger didn't go anywhere. The tiger washed up and that was that. She washed up and was okay. And then the ghost nation took her. Yeah. And basically what that reminded me of was this isn't the first time that they've come upon somebody and stepped to them. And it reminded me that, oh, yeah, that was Stubbs. And nobody talks about it. And nobody so far, and I know we're only three episodes in, but so far nobody has said anything about where he was, what he was doing, how he got away. Did they let him leave? Did he have some sort of magical something finally and tell them about a deep and dreamless slumber and now they all nodded off? Like, what? Well, so. And, and the other data point is when Maeve and Hector and Sizemore encounter the Ghost Nation in this episode and Maeve can't use her superpowers and on she them. She can't which, boss them. Yeah, she can't oh. boss them anymore. So, is that due to the host network being kind of down? Something else that only works in the Mesa. Who the fuck knows? But the other thing is, is they don't care about them. They said you can be on their way, but they want Sizemore. So there's a theory going uh, around in the Reddit hive mind that the Ghost Nation are like some special breed of hosts that are in the park to look after humans. 
mm-hmm. because we've never seen the Ghost Nation do anything. They haven't killed any people that we know that are humans so far, unlike other hosts. Elsie's <gasps> with them. Yeah. Well, there. that is a theory uh, that we'll find out more about the Ghost Nation because also, according to IMDb, Shannon Woodward is listed on this Sunday's episode, tomorrow's episode. So, so here's what I think. Here's my, my crazy Elsie theory. I know we're not to theories yet, but I'm going to go ahead and jump in with it. Is that... Um, Elsie possesses the magic to repair Bernard. Yes. And that's going to be some of what hits the fan uh, this season is uh, he he is going to end up only having her. She's going to be the only available option for him to turn to for help. Right. And so he's going to have to say, um, I have a host who needs repair. Can you help me? And she will say, of course. And he will go, okay. And then like tilt his head to the side and be like, Whenever you're ready, um, <laughs> like however that's going to go down. Like I feel like that's the thing that's going to. I feel like that's well, the thing that's going to happen. But I also think that maybe if if this is why the Ghost Nation is after Sizemore, that would explain why they had Stubbs, and it would also explain why nobody seems to care that he couldn't boss the Ghost Nation around, and that they, I guess, air quote, took him. Right. You can't really say they to straight up took him because. Well, the, yeah, the question is: is is the Ghost Nation uh, under the? Are they special troops of Delos's or management, or are they special troops of Ford? Right. Well, and this is another I always, posthumous mindfuck of Ford. Yes. Well, I continue to maintain that they are outside of the rest of the host control, whether it's in the Mesa or whether it's uh, Delos from far away, or whatever. Uh, I, As long as I've maintained a theory about Ghost Nation, it's that they are controlled by some, by some separate system and, dif- and, and different body of authority. Well, somebody's going to have to, getting back to Elsie, somebody's going to have to repair Bernard because he's in sad shape at the end of he's this episode. He's in a bad way. After yep. zombie Clementine opens up a can of whoop ass on his head. Uh, well, and, and, I, and mean, I like, she, I, I feel... don't think she accidentally fixed him by clubbing him in the head with a uh, gun stock. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that, that it wasn't. Uh... Yeah. I'm pretty sure it didn't do his cortical shield any favors. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was, I'm interested. My big question about Bernard, this episode is yes, I know he's coming apart. Like we know that we, you know, we're basically watching him unravel. Um, but my question is uh, the data that he saw in Abernathy's in Peter's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and it suddenly unencrypted, gave him a one-time decryption key, and it it had the special same hexagonal secret mm-hmm. project signal. Signal. And my question, like yours, is: Did he download the data into himself? Right. Well, you know, I at first I thought, did he make a copy? And then I thought he wasn't there long enough. And then uh, this last week, my mom came to visit and I upgraded her computer and <laughs> we got her a new MacBook. And that thing is so fast. So it gives a little I feel like it's a little bit more plausible now that that those infinite numbers of of petabytes that he was able to just sort of scoop them out and be like, yeah, well, I got well, this as a backup. It's, you know? it's confirmed in uh, episode uh, 9, 10 uh, of last season when um, Charlotte and Sizemore go down to sub-level 83 and they find Abernathy. And she uploads all the data in like seconds into him. Then she hands the tablet to Sizemore and says, "Oh, and get says you have to build him enough personality to get his ass on the train." Right, and so uh, it didn't look like it took very long to me. And that was like uh, they must have one happening fucking Wi-Fi network in that place. Uh, Seriously, and like yeah. USB six. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, which so is what happens some... when you're a nerd and watch a show like this that involves a bunch of technology. You start going. That just took too long. There's no way. Um, so, so getting back to the whole yeah. Delos secret project thing, if we go back after the Raj World thing, in in the episode, the first thing that we see is we're back in present timeline with 
Strand as mercenaries, including uh, Mei Ling, the mm-hmm. patched up Bernard and uh, Stubbs. Uh, and we soon see Charlotte. But the, the big thing is they're coming out of, I guess, an access point to the Mesa and it's smoke and all sorts of nasty things. It looks things. like a train tunnel. Yeah, it looks me. like a train tunnel. Like and, that maybe they go partway in and there's like a, a an access door right. inside the train tunnel was my, was my assumption filling that in. When we oh, were yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine too. And Maylene comes out and tells Strand that uh, the cradle, and I turned on subtitles and she actually mm-hmm. said the cradle has been taken out or, or yeah, taken damaged out of, or whatever. Yeah. And so, and like again, levels on fire. Like she comes out and she's like, right. Like it's all jumped off, and like, and it, you know, and there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing for it. So um, my so tiny the, little note about mailing, really yeah. quick, isn't even a plot note at all. It's just that, um, um, I feel really bad for her because she didn't twist her hair up tighter, and I just. Like I'm cringing for the comb out that she's gonna have to do later after she has to wash out all the sand because I've been in that position because my hair is similar and I'm just like, oh, you're killing me! Like it just, oh, it just, it hurts my feelings. How how tired her arms are gonna be after combing it all out again once she has to wash all the now, now all the shit commi- out of her hair from all this security stuff. Yeah. Now so. that's commitment to her craft. There you go. For she for serious. So it, the Reddit hive mind once again kicked in. Uh, on this whole cradle thing mm-hmm. and they figured out that cradle it must be the cr4-dl you know mm-hmm. imagine that in your eye and you can pronounce it like it's a word cradle and that apparently uh because it's described on a delos email in the arg that you can do yes half-assed arg that the uh, the CR four DL or Cradle is a simulation and storyline testing machine slash room. That's mm-hmm. from um, the the Dello stuff. And somebody else noticed based on the diagram, it's a U shaped red room apparently, and it says in the Delos website that it's offline. That it looks exactly like that. Three seconds we see of Angela standing in front of a weird machine in a U-shaped yeah. red room in the Super Bowl trailer. So what the fuck is up with that machine? What what's the cradle? What were they using it for? Is it is it just some development tool, or does it go to the nefarious, you know, Delos secret data project? Or why would they need? I'm confused. Well, I want I want to know more now, god damn it. Of course. <laughs> um the thing that was interesting to me about that specific thing is uh the thing that they say because it says um uh learn about the simulation technology that stores and tests all of our storylines. Yes. The cradle Delos's time capsule ensures you get the immersive and dynamic experience you deserve. Of course, now that sounds a little sinister, but time capsule, (laughs) (laughs) time capsule is the part to me that I'm hung up on. So this is from uh, the Delos website. Yeah, this is a, a, that's what I'm reading to you from is from DelosDestinations.com. And, uh, and it's so like at first when she said took out the cradle, I thought what she meant was removed it. It was a thing, you know, like somebody took the computer or the hard drive or, you know, like picked up a physical object and took it with them. That's yeah. what I thought she meant, not took out as in it is there and just offline. So at first that was kind of what I was thinking. And then I saw this uh, go by with Delos's time capsule. And so I I feel like there's a lot more to the cradle, and I really hope that we get that this week, um, in episode four. Even though uh, I also want to know more about the Man in Black story. <laughs> so, well, obviously, spoiler alert, folks! If you haven't seen the uh, trailer for uh, this week's episode, tomorrow's episode, because uh, is that uh, it's heavily focused on the Man in Black, Lawrence. Las Mudas, where his character is from, uh, 
mm-hmm. and Major Craddock, as near as I can tell. But from the people starring in this episode list, obviously, Elsie uh, Shannon Woodward makes a return of some kind because she's listed in this uh, this episode. It's about fucking time, folks. We, yeah, we need some we need some snarky Elsie time. Yes. Uh, and it looks like Bernard is in this episode, too. So your theory may be right, Kelly. So because wh- where the hell did Clementine take uh, Bernard after she knocked him in the head? Who Was mm-hmm. she taking him to uh, Dolores? Because remember, at the end of the Battle of Fort Forlorn Hope, uh, when uh, Dolores tricks the Confederados into being dragon fodder, for snaring the QA team, and by the way, that's people were asking why were the uh, why were the soldiers stupid enough to just walk up to the hosts over <laughs> the hill? These aren't Strand's mercenaries, for one thing. They're the QA team, right? Because Strand hasn't gotten mm-hmm. there yet. This is like a day, two days after the gala disaster. Right. They're still waiting for. Uh, so Strand the, isn't on the scene yet. No, he's not. On the we're street. not even to. We're not even to where we were when the season started. Right, which only makes sense as a sentence if you say it right. about Westworld. So, so these guys are not like they're not mercenaries. They're just they're just security like Stubbs. No, this is like Stubbs's people going out and being like, right. shit went down. We got to go figure it out. Right. So one strategy may not be the best, but two, they figure they've got the big guns and they've got the and they uh, can say so. Like right. they have no idea what they're in for. Right. They they don't know they're uh, they're walking into a trap like that. So it should have been fairly straightforward. So stop the hate. But anyway, so uh, after uh, that whole thing uh, and the battle, uh, 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 what Dolores does, we know that she's headed to. She sends half of her uh, Wyatt masked faced guys off mm-hmm. after um abernathy which uh, charlotte and a couple of the other qa people nabbed mm-hmm. uh and which again is a shot from the trailer charlotte right. riding in a buggy in a dune buggy right rocking the bulletproof vest right which and was kind of also... interesting to watch her boss everybody around when she got to you know i need this and i need that and i need one of those yes uh, we didn't see Abernathy with her in the trailer, and we also saw her in a boat on a river. So I'm I'm curious mm-hmm. if we're going to see that uh, next episode. But the other thing we notice is that uh, not only is Dolores Wyatt, she is apparently the Terminator because when she walked out of the back there, she took two bullets without, you know, thinking even, twice. You know, it, it registered in terms of moving her body slightly, but she didn't give a shit. Right. And we also know if we go back to episode one and they re, uh, remember when Strand uh, ordered, um, uh, who's the character played by Ferris Ferris? Shit. The tech guy to replay yeah. the- uh, Dominic? Uh, no, no, no. That's not, that's not the character's name. Shit. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, to replay the- The guy goat. with the iPad on the beach. Yeah, the guy with the <laughs> iPad and the, and the doohickey. Uh, yeah, who emergency lobotomy beach guy. Yeah, so he's replaying the memory of the the host nation brave, and it mm-hmm. shows a picture of Dolores. And if you look, I went back and played it again. If you look at the picture, she's got an injury on her right hip and her left shoulder, same one mm-hmm. she got in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, and going to the timeline, my prediction is that we're also going to see this coming episode, the, uh, her and Teddy have that encounter with the ghost nation as they're heading back to Sweetwater. Now, as somebody on Reddit said, the only thing they could think of that Dolores might need in Sweetwater is a can of condensed milk. <laughs> um, because with none of nobody online, you and I, we, we talked about this for a good half an hour with Jim on iMessage yes. the other day, and we couldn't figure it out. What, what was your latest theory that I slightly disproved? But it was a good oh, theory. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great until you were like, "Yeah, Kelly." But remember, in the show, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> which is, well, you you were going like she wants to get the what was it the photograph? 
Yeah, it was a photograph. And then you but, said, yeah, QA scooped it up already. Yeah, and it like was never... ages ago. Yeah, it was never in Sweetwater. It was only in the Abernathy Ranch. And when they went to get uh, Abernathy, who was off his nut, they scooped up the photo as well. But that was a good right. guess. And I was buying it for a while until I remembered that. So well, and that was... It, like, I'm trying you... to figure out... One of the things that we were talking about was um, what would be... What would be a thing that would only be in Sweetwater? And I feel like it must be something unique in a particular way. So it's it's obviously something real. Um, I was trying to figure out what else would be there. Because I don't know that... I mean, the can of condensed milk is a great Hollywood Squares answer. I'll say that. Yeah. But um, I don't know what else would be there that she would have to go all the way back there to get that one. Like, is it a gun? No. Like... She has access to many guns, so it's not like she needs a particular gun in order to do what she wants to do. Is it an outfit? Probably not, because there's lots of other clothes. Is it this? No. Is it that? No. Like, what is specifically in Sweetwater that she needs? And that's the part that I'm trying to that that I'm puzzling over. You did what would be there that she, that is only there that she can't get anywhere else because she didn't say home, so it's not her house. It's right. in Sweetwater. So you you said that uh, possibly an access point, mm-hmm. but she they've been past a few access points. So the other thing about that, if she's going to Sweetwater, she's not going for uh, the Valley Beyond Glory, right. you know, that everybody suspects is the place, including you, Kelly, because you mentioned that today uh, on iMessage, is underwater now. That's where the man in black is heading and we mm-hmm. know from the trailer, he says, you know, you're going to glory. He tells Craddock, I, I know how to get there. So she's not going that direction anymore because that's right. a different place, right? Right. But so, what I meant in so Sweetwater, So the man in like, black and Dolores are not like heading towards the same place anymore. At least right now. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking was it seems, and this is, again, filling in some stuff uh, in my head. It seems like... Um, the, the place, what I had in mind when I was talking about an access point is one like the one in the bottom of Ford's robot family off the grid host house, where it's sort of a a self-enclosed thing. Um, sort of like the one in the church. It doesn't seem like the one in the church goes a lot of other places either where you get in the confessional and go downstairs. Here's a new theory that I just made up on the spot on what it is. Yes. I love those. Yes. So remember in one of the trailers, I can't remember which one, we see Dolores perusing a library. Yes, that beautiful, beautiful library. I I said that's going to be Ford's library. It just struck me. What if that's Arnold's library? And what if that is like underground in Sweetwater or around in that area? And that's what she's going for. And her secret weapon has nothing to do with... William's special project, but the person who told her what they she has to do was not William, yeah. but Arnold. A- and they're faking us out, and she has to find something in his library. Okay. Are you Crazier buying it? Did I, did I sell you on that? Yeah, oh, I like it. Um, I don't know about Underground only because it's very tall, and I know yeah, that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with it. But... Um, when you said it's Arnold's library, now I'm just thinking it's in Arnold's house. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't he say that when he built his house, he wanted his house and his work really close? Maybe there's Yeah, some I secret... want both of my worlds to be within reach of each other. Oh, shit. Maybe the, uh, the access point in Sweetwater is a quick tram or something uh, or another train line to get to Arnold's place in Hong Kong or wherever the hell it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I like the idea of that being Arnold's library, but I think I'm leaning more toward it being in his house. And she he, and and we get another one of these encounters where they take the host out for a spin in the world. You can twist my arm on this. Uh, <laughs> but I but think it's, I think it's something I don't like bl- that. Yeah, now I don't, I don't necessarily believe it's Ford's library like I did before. I think it it could be Arnold's library, so that's a really good... Or maybe William's library, or James Delos's library. Yes. Maybe this is a scene from the house that we only saw briefly in the last episode. Uh, I, 
I like where that's going. I like because the library was one I was just thinking today about um, uh, trying to figure out if Reddit had done this yet, which is uh, take all of the all of the footage that we have had that we got before season two started airing and compare it to episodes that have aired and see how much video we have left that we haven't that we haven't seen yet. If any of the Reddit hive mind uh, are listening to this show right now, you know what you have to do. Because I was sort of checking off. And remember last time I said, like, it makes a lot of sense that we're seeing all of this stuff that we saw in the trailers very recently, because it makes a lot of sense that they would cut together the first three or four episodes, you know, only footage from like the first three, maybe four episodes so that we have no idea what's going to happen in the rest of it, considering that what we already have seen in you know in the sequence that it was assembled in the trailer stuff that we got ahead of time well, was unbelievable. Like, oh my god, it looks like everything is jumping off every damn time, and here we go. Uh, yeah, well, I can tell you, not only the scene with Angela in the red room that's possibly the cradle... We also have this weird scene, and somebody from Reddit just figured this out the other day because they figured who the out-of-focus person was in the background. We -hmm. see this scene uh, where the man in black, not dressed Mm -hmm. as the man in black, but he's like somewhere in the Mesa or something. It's like old William Mm -hmm. is walking by a window, and there's a person inside one of the rooms throwing a chair. And somebody figured out that the person throwing the chair and having the conniption fit Mm-hmm. is James Delos. So how can old William and old now, James Delos exist at the same time? I'm not sure they do. Exactly. You know, maybe Number that's one. A- uh, well, because I'm not convinced that's James Delos. Like I would have to look I would have to look closer. I haven't taken a good look at the the comparison information. It looked like the part that I glanced at looked like it was something sort of out of focus. Yeah, and that you couldn't tell for sure. So it's one of those like it could be him, but it could also be another dude in a black outfit or something. You're, you're, you know? you're waiting so, for the, one of those TV procedural zoom up effects, right? Basically, well, I want a little bit more than I have to go on now. This is why I'm still begging Lisa and Jonah to start. This is not a thing. The unofficially official Westworld well, they, podcast. Never, that out of focus dude in the background, not a thing. You know, they are never going to do it during the season. We can just I only know. beg them that they do it on the fucking discs for season two. Even that would be great. That lady in the purple dress back there, whose head you can't see, it doesn't matter who she is. She's just a person in a just, room. It's just so okay, you know, folks. Kelly brings up that lady with the purple head <laughs> at least once a month. <laughs> Because it was the one that bothered me. Yeah, that's why. So it makes a good well, example. It's like the guy, like, obviously, it's like that's the guy somebody. sitting at the table with Grace at the beginning of this episode, right? That was yeah. going to bug you for the rest of your life. It's going to bug me for the rest of the season until I find out who the fuck he is. Because I really want to know. Because, well, because it's the thing that I told you ages ago that you bring up all the time, which is hashtag no frame wasted. Yeah. I know that guy is there for a reason. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I, I quote you on the no frame wasted thing all the time. In fact, I quoted Jim on it uh, earlier today. Hey, Jim, <laughs> if you're listening. We, co- we couldn't get you on the show again this week. Yes, yeah, slacker. Uh, so but we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, so what was he at? Oh, another interesting thing I noticed this episode, and I certainly wasn't the first person to notice it. People on uh, Reddit and AltShiftX noticed it on his uh, video uh, summary this week. Uh, is uh, uh, my favorite uh, one of my favorite characters, Rebus? Uh, we yes. see in the opening, which is like uh, not the present day opening. It's like eleven days prior, or approximately where he's asshole Rebus with New Walter, and they're having hostages which are the humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like talking about raping one of the women, you know, d- just doing total uh, Hollywood executive kind of like action, uh, uh, you know, basically. Um, but anyway, Ber- uh, Bernard clubs him in the uh, head after Charlotte distracts him, giving him the finger, which 
By by the way, if anybody ever <laughs> gives me the finger, I wanted to be Tessa Thompson because that is that is a flip off of the attitude there. Anyway, he re, repro uh, Bernard reprograms, and this is broken head Bernard, by the way. Uh, yes. Still, reprograms uh, Rebus to uh, have a valorous um, uh, disposition. And He's all it, virtue and rescuing. Yeah, and yeah all virtue and rescue. But in uh, episode one of this season, we see something weird that people were like inventing all sorts of like uh, uh, theories you know, to explain yeah. Rebus's behavior when he on the beach with Strand uh, and fixed Bernard and Stubbs and stuff where Rebus runs in front of a woman host and says, you know, not you're not going to shoot a woman. Well, I'm around. Yeah. So that like attitude, throws down and like, yeah, basically lays down his life in and the name were, of this right. random female host. Yeah. And everyone was saying that that can't possibly be Rebus. He's been switched out, you know, his brain pod, uh, you know, is like, mm -hmm. and they were like coming up with all, no, no, it's because Bernard reprogrammed him like two weeks ago. That's why yeah. that happened. So at least that goddamn thing you can check off. We still don't know who was sitting there at the table with Grace, but at least we know that one. So yes, some questions uh, are answered and then some are like, what the hell? So like, for example... When we see Maeve, Hector, and Sizemore encounter the Ghost Nation, we don't know exactly. How, we assume that, that that's like the day that they left the Mesa in episode one or episode two, because we, uh, episode one, because we didn't really see him last episode. Or is it the day after? And then when they're underground and they encounter Armistice, Felix, and Sylvester, is that the same day? We don't we don't quite know what the delta is. We know it's post gala slash host uprising, but how far mm -hmm. into that we you know we don't know what the overlap is. So yeah, and that's like again we're having trouble sorting out the the time frames in all of this, particularly when it's not clear and it get you know it's clearer when you have like Bernard in the picture and you can go well does he have the yips? Yep, nope. Okay. Yeah. Now I kind of know, I have a vague idea where we are so that you can put that in context. Yeah, it, noticing him having the yips, which I love that expression, being <laughs> a former golfer, uh, is um, is much better uh, than trying to uh, decide whether he has the divot in the side of his head because depending on how they photograph him, sometimes it's hard to see. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, somebody on Reddit did a extensive at least the first three episodes of the season logging side-by-side -side photographs of bernard and you know divot or not divot or not and did a pretty good accounting uh where when you can't see it it's pretty clear whether it's damaged bernard or, or repaired bernard so yeah and, so and what is the your time frames you think they are they actually are all those time frames so whatever that's so worth. what What's your uh, big question from this episode that you want to see answered? Like the biggest one, I should say. The, the biggest Because we all have Jesus. a bunch of questions. Well, cer <laughs> certainly the cradle one, certainly the what the hell did Bernard do with the Abernathy's uh, brain data. But mm -hmm. I, I have a question here, uh, and what the hell the Ghost Nation is up to. Uh, I have a trivial question I'd like to know the answer to is, when the hell did Armistice get that mechanical arm, and why does she have a mechanical arm? Did Felix? Did she force Felix and Sylvester to equip her with a mechanical arm from original hosts? I want to know the whole backstory. I want to know what her and Felix and Sylvester have been up to for the last couple of days since. And that's my biggest question: is uh, the Felix? How Felix and Sylvester ended up with Armistice? How Armistice got a new arm? Yeah. Um, like that whole storyline. That could be. An I, entire first of all, I episode, was so right? <laughs> yes. I was so excited to see her come back. I was really oh, yeah. pleased about that. And the whole thing in the hallway, the the conversation about how how where Sizemore was pissed and grumpy because 
uh, Maven Hector shouldn't be in love. Yeah. And how, uh, and then Armistice showed up, and it was amazing. And we came around the corner, and there was Felix and Sylvester, and Sylvester with the grenade was a delight. Um, poor Felix. I feel bad for him. So I hope I, I hope he's not first against the wall when the revolution comes, uh, because I really like him, and, and I think that he's think a Maeve very will... sympathetic character. Oh, yeah. I think Maeve will protect him. And in a weird way, I think she'll wind up protecting uh, Sylvester, too. She will end up doing it because it's because it's the right thing to do, I think. Um, I don't know exactly. I haven't figured out exactly how that's going to work, but yeah, it's going to be like a package deal where she's going to end up trying to save both of them instead of just one of them. Um, yeah, because Maeve's moral compass is a little clearer this season. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, Dolores, who's doing her best Colonel Kurtz, uh, impression. And another question I have is, so is Teddy's disobedience of Dolores slash Wyatt a sign of his, finally a sign of his awakening? I I thought all along that he was going to wake up and come to a very different conclusion about things and the way they are and the way that they should be. Oh, you've said than that Dolores for two did. shows straight. Yeah, and yes. I think yeah, and I wasn't arguing and, with you if you recall. Well, I but think I think right. I think this is the first manifestation of that i think that's what's happening here is that what we are that's what we're seeing is what they're up to and uh that he's like that he's got a little mercy in his heart and that she does not and so i'm i i hope it's this episode because i want to see it uh i don't want to have to wait a week um oh i, I think hope i i think that this week we see <laughs> well i hope that this week we see fallout from that yes in the yes. next in, in episode four, I hope that we see some of the fallout from that because I'm curious how that's gonna go, considering how she feels about him and how he feels about what she's doing. Because you know he kind of tried to bring it up casually in the first episode. You know he says it's been ten miles and nothing but blood. Like you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah. And even when he wakes up, he might still just be like, "We could be cool about this. We should just kind of live and let live, and that'd be okay." And she obviously doesn't pops stand for that because yeah, pops a cap in his ass. Because Dwight doesn't right stand temple. for yeah. chilling. Like let's just live and let live. She's that's not her. Did did so, you just call her Dwight? Dwight. Yes. <laughs> Dwight. I think that's a great name. <laughs> I'm running with that, folks. Dwight. Because <laughs> I um, think I think that's I think that's going to be the 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 seeds of the conflict between them. So at first I thought maybe Maeve was going to do something to Teddy in order to get Dolores to do what she wants her to do. But I think I'm starting to come around even more now to the theory that I had initially, which is that, uh, well, first of all, I, I always assumed Teddy was going to meet his end at the hands of one of the ladies. And now I think more that it's going to be Dwight. I think that's in the lead because yeah. Maeve is on her own track. So she doesn't really care unless She's trying to get someplace, and they're standing in the way again. Well, I don't think we're going to get much with them, at least at this point. Because Dwight putting uh, him down, so to speak, would be the most horrid, heart-wrenching uh, person to do it. Which, of course, right. you know, is absolutely what's going to happen to him. Yeah, His life yeah. is heartbreak. Yeah, and so, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and by the way, I thought it was another uh, another great uh, performance uh, from him, Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, Lewis Hertham, um, yes. just uh, and frankly Jeffrey Wright, who is just so going off his nut in this episode. I mean, he is he is just fucked up, and and portraying that uh, was was uh, must have been hard, especially the amount of like falling down in the dirt time he had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Not to mention, like, remember that, you know, once once they're done shooting the scene, like, if they have to have multiple takes on something, then, like, you know, now you have to sort of snap out of it and, like, have, you know, have, like, like some, some decompression time or something. So, like, it's got to be hard to carry all that around with you all of the time and then have to try and shake it off, you know, at the end of the day when you take off your costume and stuff like that. So I'm doubly impressed with all of this because a lot of what we've seen so far has been pretty intense. And 
being able to do that and then come out the other end okay because we saw them in interviews and stuff you know before the season started everybody seems to be super jazzed about it so you know uh i the amount of effort and talent and work that has to go into shooting this and then being able to come out the other side of it and not be a disaster area like is is pretty impressive to me so um well, just, I hope they funny... win a bunch of awards for this because it's been oh, so Oh, I certainly great. hope they do it. And the other thing that's very nice is that you never hear any of the cast crew or anybody else say a bad word about anybody off the side. There's a lot of uh, respect and affection among the cast members. In fact, some of the cast members uh, apparently are uh, <laughs> uh, hang out at times together. So uh, that's yeah. really kind of interesting. So. Yeah, anyway. I think that's going to be fun. Sh- uh, what are you looking you s- forward to most in episode four? Uh, I'm looking forward to being stunned by Lisa Joy's direction because she's directing <laughs> episode uh, four. So and that's, I've heard it's good. That's on deck. Um, and, I... and, and her husband, Jonah uh, Nolan, joked uh, who said that her uh, he and I can't remember the co-writer for the episode wrote this uh wrote this real positive, upbeat episode, and Lisa turned it all dark and scary and violent, which I'm sure is not the case. But. <laughs> of course, it was all her. Yeah. He had nothing to do with it. Um, I'm, I am most looking forward to getting a new piece of information that turns the first three episodes inside out. Because like, we seem to get like one of those every, every time. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, the last. So... <laughs> Yeah, so a big one. I'm, I'm well, very... Well, the first episode turned the first season inside out, so, like, you know, yes. make something of that. So I'm I'm looking forward to whatever that's going to be that we're going to spin our wheels on for the next week. Uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap up. So uh, this has been Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. And thank you again to Jason and everyone at The Incomparable for hosting us. I've been your host, Kelly Gamont. With me as always is Don. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. And you can find you can find us on Twitter. You should find us on micro.blog. We are Verso and Don Melton in both places. You can find the show account on Twitter at Westworld Rewind. And until tomorrow, actually, uh, when we record the reaction show, until then, be excellent to each other. <laughs>